You are listening to the weekly Great Governance podcast hosted by Dr. Harlan. So why do we do what we do? We are on a mission to find and voice the hidden stories of excellence in local government so that others are motivated to lead and transform communities. We share information and profile local government practitioners and active citizens who are ethically leading change and innovation in communities and showcase this on our various digital media platforms. So what's the link between the Equality Act and BE? Was BE the compromise to the Equality Act? Well, it was a compromise between the black elite and the white elite. So the Equality Act was duly passed according to the Constitution in February 2000. Then the promotion of equality part was frozen. Then there must have been a deal somewhere that we don't know about. You know, Prof. Andre Dutoy talks about the deals that are made but they're not recorded. And so there was a compromise. There's a there's an elite compromise. But uh, we don't even know if we probably need to ask uh, Andre Titoy to look into that because he's done an interesting book about the amnesty clause. So we don't know why where BE came from. It didn't come from a democratic process. It, it, there's no written genesis of, of, of where it comes from. Yeah, is it? Because B is certainly has only favored the elite. Certainly. Moelertenberg, he says it was brought in by a certain person who was related to the then Minister of Finance at the time. I don't know if that's true. All I know is that it was never meant to be fair to all, and it has not been fair. But it has done something. It has closed the gap between some black people and some white people. So I'm not saying it has not reduced some of the gap. So what it did is a co-option approach as opposed to a mass. Kara Asmal had said apartheid in this book. They did a conference on a multidisciplinary inquiry into de facto racial discrimination. So they knew that with one de jure equality, which is legal equality, but factually, some people were still be living in divorce, whilst others are living in Kaamani. Yeah. So this book was about how do we then close the gap between where apartheid trapped black people and women and people with disabilities, and how do you move that to a much more egalitarian society? Now, do you think with this constitutional crisis where we are at now, it's, it's at a point where we have an opportunity to reset? Because clearly we now know after almost 30 years of democracy what it looks like. Are we at the beginning of a new phase yes. of our development? Because it certainly looks like Well, all disruptions carry with them the seed of crisis and opportunity. Whether you go into perpetual crisis or you embrace opportunity depends on the drivers be- behind that change and the humans behind it. I don't think that any of the leaders, and I say with due respect, any of the leaders that are seeking to replace the current president would do better. If we take somebody, for example, who might be a proxy of President Zuma, President Zuma is one president who didn't even talk about the Equality Act. So if you were president tomorrow, you would enact that Equality Act. And how would that Equality Act then change the trajectory of this country, the enactment of that thing? I never even knew about it. 
the passing of the Equality Act would force the rest of society to do what Stellenbosch University has been doing after its restitution statement, where you re-examine everything uh, and say, is this doing two things? Is this discriminating against any group directly or indirectly? Number two, will it reduce the gap that already exists because of the injustices of the past? In terms of the Equality Attitude, look everything. I spoke about Mrs. Makemiso in the Eastern Cape, who was a victim of the fact that the health system was regressively changed in favor mm. of efficiency instead of responsiveness, which is against the Constitution. The Constitution, Section 195, has all of these values needing to be balanced. Efficiency, effectiveness, responsiveness, inclusiveness, etc. So if they, the Equality Act had been there, they would have, before uh, shutting down hospitals in rural areas because there aren't enough numbers of people using those resources, they would have said, if we move this resource and we put all tertiary institutions in historically white areas, won't we be making life worse? In other words, won't we be exacerbating the injustices mm-hmm. that were created by party? So they would have thought, okay, where is the money going to come from? Well, there are certain things that in government have done that don't have to be done. For example, the benefits of ministers, the tickets for their families, all of that came with apartheid. In new democratic South Africa, we could have said, should those who work for the people get so much more than the people they work for? Or can we close the gap between how much we spend as servants of the people and how much we spend on the people? Some of the money that they came, they can't afford ICUs in these historically black places, they could afford it. But secondly, unnecessary tenders. Look how much money was used in state capture. Look how the Guptas became so rich overnight because of how things were overpriced, overbilled. And, and it's not just them, though. It's so much wastage due to incompetent implementation of the public service regulations we already have and then coupled with corruption. So all of the money could be recouped from all of those pipelines that are leaking and planted into implementing the Equality Act. So that's just the public service part of it. But the importance of the Equality Act, which is why my own people, short-sighted big business people stopped it, is that it's not about only intervening in what government can do for us. Apartheid took from black people, from women, from community, and gave to the white community. Under the Equality Act, you have to look at, as I spoke about, some communities are redistributing on their own and say, how do you redistribute? Not just land. How do you redistribute opportunity, resources, burdens, and privileges in our society? And the Equality Act would have required business to do the same thing, all of it. Now, the Black Economic Empowerment Act is so strange in that Royal Bafuke has the same restitutive duties as Anglo-American. Where is that? It's only when, like John Rawls says, for people to be fair, you need them to be ignorant of who they are, whether they're rich or poor, women or men, fast or slow, able-bodied or normal, because 
if you ask their kids to vote for Christmas, mm. do you think we're going to have take you for Christmas? Mm. So, what happened with the BEE Act was you got the black elite and the white elite compromising compromise all by themselves. But the people who are against the BEE Act now include white small business. Because these were not rules that were tailored for everyone. These were rules that were tailored primarily for big business. Even black small business, isn't it amazing that a company is not compelled when it partners with historically disadvantaged business? It's not compelled to really partner with a disadvantaged black business. You just have to partner with a black entity. So what has happened is people who are linked to politicians create companies overnight. Real historically disadvantaged companies remain historically disadvantaged. Mm. So people who are politically connected create companies overnight. I mean, if you look at the, the health scandal in Tembisa Hospital, companies being created overnight, 10 of them by the same person created in the same, on the same day and swiftly being given huge amounts of money. The investigation I did on state capture was the same. A lot of the companies that were co-owned by the president's son in the Guptas were new companies. Mm. Same thing when I did uh, on the point of tenders with uh, Mr. Malima's friends. Same story where a company that is created uh, seven days before a tender closes gets the tender. How do you explain that? So BE in its current model as well, the implementation is so weak and it favors the elite. But the principle of BE, about economic distribution, redistribution, that principle is sound because if I think about the next 30 years, it must be about economic inclusion. I think actually I would come up with a new act that I call economic inclusion act or economic restitution act because BE has two problems. The one is I don't like women empowerment, I don't like black empowerment. Because these concepts unintentionally reinforce white supremacy Mm. and male supremacy. Because they they get whites empowering black people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. um, So, inclusion, fine. Restitution, fine. Because the terms are neutral. They have no senior partner and junior partner. But secondly, do you know that the preferential procurement policy framework act did not require white business to empower black business. It was about state tenders going directly to the small businesses. And that would have worked better because you get your tender. It's not like big business gets a tender and then on its terms you work. Because if somebody gave me a contract where my job is to empower you. I'm not going to empower you to grow bigger than me because I don't want you tomorrow to displace me. So I just think the, the concept, the intention, which is reduced in reparation yeah. of past harm, is an excellent concept. But the terminology and the formula are problematic. But also, white. Family-owned businesses. If you see people going to the Afri Forum, they're angry because on a level of family business to say, if I'm selling my grapes that I, I, I should be able to sell to uh, 
he can pay into government. I now can't sell unless I get a random black person to come and co-own yeah. my business with me. I but, just don't think that makes sense. Yeah, but no, I can't be shit. In other words, if I've got generational, we talk about generational wealth and generational poverty. So if I have got generational wealth, why can't I with my workers, even if it's 10% to 20%, Put no, no, no. into a trust or something I, where the workers can benefit. I gave an example during my talk actually about how uh, in the UK some companies are beginning to do that. Yeah. Where what we use called ESOPs, employee share ownership schemes, uh, companies are doing that. And when I went to Northern Cape, I met farmers that had done that all on their own without the Equality Act, even though the Equality Act was frozen. But farmers, the ones with a good heart, had either cut the farm into pieces to share it with the neighboring community or with their workers, or gave them them shares. So I'm not against the ownership. I'm just saying the formula where you're forcing everyone to co-own with people. I mean, when it's a family business, family businesses by their nature are family businesses. So there could be another way to accommodate um, redistribution mm. without... Because it's creating anger. Mm. If you start, your grandfather started a company and you were supposed, it was family company, and you forced, because there are other ways of redistributing, but also because the redistribution favors politically connected. Um, if, for example, are you redistributing to your workers, it feels okay, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they have helped, as John Rawls said, and as Luigi Taparelli said, they part of the fruits of collaboration. Yeah. We worked together. And anyway, you know, one of the things John Rawls says is nobody owns land. You can't say you're being rewarded for land, for anything you did. Land belongs to God. Uh, we uh, found it here. Yeah. So surely the fruits of land should have always been shared equitably. Yeah. So we are in Stellenbosch now. We've not talked a lot of serious stuff. How does Tulin Madon Sela just relax? And just does nothing. How do you oh. How do you switch off? What do you do? I climb mountains. Oh. You like to hike? I, I hike okay. a lot. Although okay. I've been so busy, I haven't done enough. Uh, I, I like just normal hiking without a mountain. Oh. But if you include a mountain, there's nothing that beats looking at the world from the top of oh. a mountain. And that's part of action for inclusion. We, we also do it under the track for Mandela, caring for girls, to collect pets for girls. But I've also now started hiking with friends, just hiking for joy. Just yeah. nothing to do with raising money. Just, just relaxing. relaxing. Because in that case, then we are fewer and it's low. And when we get to a waterfall, we relax. Yeah. I like music. I'm sure you do. At the moment, what's the song? The song that always gets you going. All these days, I think I'm just always listening to classical music simply because that's what you need when you're multitasking. Mm. Um, so it's always me, Mozart, Beethoven. A little light music is the best for me. Yeah. Nothing calm or quiet or... If my children are playing pop or quiet, mm. especially my granddaughter mm. lies in the house, mm. um, quiet, 
I dance with my granddaughter. So you'll see me, yes, trying to imitate her. My my other love in music is Christian music and worship music is also what really relaxes me and it's a joy I share with my children and with my partner as well. So we just, yeah. So I would you want to be remembered if people say, I've not said my impressions and I think South Africans share that. You know, when you think of you as leadership, integrity and strong woman, how do you want to be remembered? I really don't care whether I'm remembered or not. Mm. What I do hope will outlast me is visible progress in terms of shared opportunities, resources, benefits, privileges and burdens here in South Africa and elsewhere in the world. I don't want to see what we saw with the story of Miss Makemiso. The other story that I didn't tell you, which I spoke about uh, to, to somebody this morning after reading the story, was somebody who's 70 years old and has been kicked out of a house that has just been bought by somebody from the Department of Housing. So a place where everyone knows what their rights are under the law and under the Constitution. And a world where those rights mean something because you have no rights when you are hungry and, and poor. Those rights mean nothing. So you need a world where the bottom line is nobody, and I mean literally nobody is poor. Is that world possible? Nobody's hungry. It's very possible. You spoke to me about China right now. It's part of the Sustainable Development Goals, actually. Goal number one is zero hunger. Goal number ten is reduced inequality. And of course, inequality will always be there. I don't think we will eliminate it. We will ever reach utopia. But John Rawls talks about fair inequality. Obviously, if Hussein Bolt runs faster than me, it will make sense that he gets money that I don't get. But if workers produce wealth through farming, through factories, the fact that mine CEOs get more money than any CEO in the whole world, and mine workers get less money than any bottom worker in the whole world is not the world I would like to leave behind. But more importantly, I would like to leave a world where this shared humanity, this Ubuntu, this commitment to social justice is not a legal requirement only. Where human beings just understand, just as I honestly want to be treated, I honestly want to be treated justly, I want the same for others, and I voluntarily extend fairness and justice to others because I, as a human being, believe it's the right thing to do. So I would like a world like that, which is really about social consciousness, about constitutional literacy, social justice literacy, Ubuntu literacy, that we voluntarily become just people. And so we come to the end of our conversation. Thank you. To the amazing and talented Great Governance team, The Voice, Mpumilani, and producer Al Ontong, respect and love. Keep the faith and let's work to make South Africa great, right where we are. If you loved what you heard, subscribe to our Great Governance podcast that is available free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And of course, 
also on our HRD Governance Facebook page. And don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend about us. Listen to learn.